identify and treat apparent life threats. An apparent life threat is more of a threat than an injury. There are life-threatening injuries, but the apparent life threat is obvious and must be resolved immediately. Very few things would qualify as an immediate life threat. Examples are patient is on fire, patient is spurting blood, patient is actively being strangled. Manually stabilize the spine if indicated. The only part of the scene size-up that has any relevance to the primary survey is the determination that a mechanism of injury exists. The presence of a mechanism of injury tells the EMS crew that the possibility of a cervical spine fracture exists. The cervical spine is the portion of the spinal column that connects the head to the rest of the body. As such, this ex extremely vulnerable part of the spinal cord is subject to constant scrutiny by EMS and ER personnel alike. A spinal cord injury could result in the patient being paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of their life, or it could even cause the patient to stop breathing. Care in how the patient is moved, including how the airway is opened, is determined from this observation. Regardless of the patient's level of consciousness or airway, the patient's cervical spine must be maintained in a neutral, meaning the neck is neither flexed nor extended, and in-line position, meaning the nose is in line with the navel. If the head is flexed, extended, or not in line with the navel, the medics must first move the neck to the neutral and inline position and maintain this position with manual stabilization. Determine the patient's level of consciousness. Patients who are alert are talking, which tells the rescuer that the airway is clear. If the patient is not alert, verbally responsive, responsive to painful stimuli, or unresponsive, then the airway must be assessed to determine if it is clear. Determine the patient's level of consciousness is a critical step in determining if the, if the airway is clear. How weird would it be for the patient to be talking to an ambulance crew and the medics look at the patient's mouth to see if there are any obstructions? Assessing the level of consciousness is a critical step in determining the, uh, if the airway is clear. Assess the airway. If the, airway, if the patient is alert and talking to EMS, the airway is clear, at least for now. The matter of the airway becomes more complicated when the patient is not alert. In the case of a patient who is not alert, the airway must be opened. Then the rescuers look, listen, and feel for breaths coming out of the patient's mouth to determine if the airway is clear. If the mechanism of injury suggested a cervical spine fracture is possible, the EMS crew will open the airway with a jaw thrust technique. If the rescuers are not concerned about the condition of the cervical spine because there is no mechanism of injury, then the rescuers will open the airway with the head tilt chin lift method. If the rescuers open the airway and hear gurgling sounds, the medics will log roll the patient and suction the oral pharynx to clear the airway. The airway must be clear before any further assessment is considered. Assess breathing. After the patency of the airway has been assured, the patient's breathing is assessed. If the patient is unresponsive, there's a very possible that the patient needs positive pressure ventilation. If the patient is not alert, assessment of the rate, rhythm, and quality of respiration is made. If the patient's respirations are shallow, too fast, or too slow, positive pressure ventilation is indicated. It seems counterintuitive to ventilate a patient who is breathing, but when a patient is only breathing four times a minute or barely moving any air because they are breathing 40 times a minute and unresponsive, the patient won't be moving enough air to stay alive for any reasonable period of time. For this reason, the EMS crew should always be ready to ventilate an unresponsive patient. Sometimes the patient is unconscious and the breathing is normal. In these cases, nothing is required. Similarly, if the patient is alert and demonstrates any respiratory distress or increased work of breathing, oxygen is administered via non-rebreather mask. Administering high-flow oxygen to patients with demonstrated respiratory distress will buy the ambulance crew a little time to determine the underlying cause of the breathing problem and begin treatment. When patients are having problems breathing, regardless of the cause, oxygen is the first and best treatment to initiate. Assess circulation. 
Assessing this, uh, the patient's radial pulse gives the, pa the ambulance crew a clue about the patient's blood pressure. Shock is a major concern of EMS. Patients in shock often descend into cardiac arrest prior to arrival at the hospital. Early identification and timely treatment of shock will turn the odds of survival in the favor of the patient. Further, moving a patient in shock should be undertook as gently as possible to prevent the patient from decompensating while even moving the patient to the ambulance. In the simplest terms, shock is hypoperfusion. If a patient's blood pressure is too low, cellular respiration will be reduced, leading to cell dysfunction and death. If the patient does not have a radial pulse, they are in shock and treatment should be immediate. Treatment for shock includes high-flow oxygen administration, elevation of the feet when possible, and covering the patient with a blanket to prevent heat loss. Numerous conditions can result in shock. It does not have to be a traumatic injury that results in this condition. Other clues are available to the ambulance crew. Cyanosis, blue skin, cold skin temperature, and dry skin could mean that sh shock in an adult. A very reliable finding in pediatric patients is slow capillary refill time. Capillary refill time is calculated by pressing the fingertip with your finger and counting the number of seconds until the fingertip or fingernail returns to normal color. Normal is two seconds. Anything longer is delayed. Delayed capillary refill time in a pediatric patient most often means shock. In addition to assessing the radial pulse, assessing for major bleeding, this is different than the apparent life threat, which was spurting blood, and stopping the bleeding is critical at this stage. Stopping bleeding is accomplished with direct pressure. Direct pressure may have to continue throughout the movement of the patient to the ambulance and even uh, to the ride in the hospital. For this, the EMS crew may opt to delegate this role to another rescuer. Choose a follow-up assessment. Based on the presence of a mechanism of injury from the scene size up, it may make more sense to look for injuries. Looking for injuries is accomplished with a rapid trauma assessment. If there is no mechanism of injury and the patient is conscious, then it would make more sense to ask questions. EMS will ask questions and perform further assessment guided by the focused history and physical exam.